We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Sway Reporting Live, Sway Radio. We are solo dolo today, but we have a lot to talk about. First and foremost, Brooklyn has their shooter. Yes, we had Kevin Durant. Yes, we had Kyrie Irving. But now we have James Harden. 4PF Harden for the for the guys down in the South. But let's discuss this trade off the bat. What do the Nets get? Of course, James Harden. Second round pick via Cleveland. This was a four-team trade, by the way. Cavaliers were involved in this trade. They got Jared Allen, Terrian Prince. Pacers get Karis LeVert and a second round pick via Houston. And then the Rockets. Of course, giving up their superstar. Rockets get Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodion's Kurooks. For those that are real Brooklyn fans, know who Kurooks is. And then here's the haul that makes it possibly worth it. Four first round picks via Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Three of those are Brooklyn's and one of those are Milwaukee's. And then another set of first round picks, but these are pick swaps, all from Brooklyn. So which means... The next coming four or five years, I believe, it stretches till 2025. Um, whatever picks that Houston gets and Brooklyn gets, Houston has the option to swap if Brooklyn has the higher pick. But, of course, Brooklyn is betting on, hey, we are a championship or bust team for the next two or three years, so your picks should not be high. Nonetheless, this trade, in terms of the picks, reminded me of uh, the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett trade to Brooklyn where Boston got nothing but draft picks, and they thought they were going to be able to win now. Brooklyn thought they were going to be able to win now, and then they didn't. And the next thing you know, Boston has a top-five pick and gets Jason Tatum. So hopefully, in Houston's eyes, they believe that they're going to get an actual star player or above-average star player in this draft sooner than later. Um, But having Victor Oladipo in the squad, I like it. Karis LeVert on Indiana, I actually like that. He's going to go for career numbers this year. Um, But let's focus on the trade. When I first saw this trade, um, I was very, very surprised that Houston didn't get at least Joe Harris. Maybe even a Spencer Dinwiddie, even though he's on injured reserve, ACL tear, done for the year. I would have still asked for some type of clear-cut compensation. But I guess due to the four-team trade, Houston looked at it as, I'm getting a Victor Oladipo, who took, last time we saw Victor Oladipo in, I won't count the bubble because he was still kind of injured. You can tell he wasn't the same Victor Oladipo we saw in years prior. So the last time we saw Victor Oladipo full and healthy, all systems go, he took LeBron James, a LeBron James-led Cavaliers team in 2018 to a seven-game series in the first round. So possibly Houston looked at that and said, okay, we're getting that back. So we don't need what we don't need much of what Brooklyn has. But I'm still very surprised that Brooklyn was able to go away and still have a couple of their players still on the roster. But if I were Houston, I'm doing a Harden for Kyrie trade straight up. Throwing some picks, you know, a couple of the bench players make the money work. But I'm... I am not going, I'm not calling Brooklyn's phone unless Kyrie is on the table. That's just straight up period. When you're trading a superstar of that caliber, such as James Harden, who literally has averaged over 30 points for the last two to three seasons, 
you must get back your compensation. Yes, they have a lot of picks, eight first round picks altogether, pick swaps and all that. But and hopefully they're banking on the fact that one of those picks in the near future will end up being somebody that they can surround Victor Oladipo with. Because I don't at the end of the day, I don't believe John Wall is going to stay there long term in Houston. But what does this trade mean for Brooklyn? Well, clearly championship or bust. You are now the prohibited favorite to come out of the East. I don't want to hear nothing about Giannis. I don't want to hear nothing about Boston. I don't want to hear nothing about Miami. I don't want to hear nothing about whoever else in the East, Milwaukee. You know what I'm saying? Indiana. Like the the East is still top heavy as it's been ever since LeBron has left the East. Um, the only real competition I see for Brooklyn, even with their depleted bench after this trade, is Boston. At least matchup-wise, I believe Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can match up offensively with a uh, Kevin Durant, with a uh, with a uh, James Harden. Defensively, I believe they can match up as well. J- Jalen Brown is a decent defender. Jason Tatum is an maybe below-average defender. Just needs to work on it some more. And Marcus Smart can definitely guard either James Harden or Kyrie Irving. It's just. The the offensive put out between Campbell Walker is now where I see questions lying. Um, he needs to also stay healthy. Milwaukee, um, you can put Giannis on KD, but I won't say that will work just because Giannis, he is a re- reigning defensive player of the year. But I believe that award was him because of him guarding the rim, not per se the perimeter. Philadelphia. Defensively, they match up because they have interior presence in Joel Embiid and a perimeter defender in Ben Simmons. But offensively, yes, Joel Embiid can dominate the the Brooklyn Nets, but Ben Simmons is still not taking jump shots or even hitting them. You know what I'm saying? So those are questions. Those are th- those are the only three teams I see giving Brooklyn in the East some problems as currently constructed. Miami, yes. They are the reigning Eastern Conference champions, but they are currently 10th in the East with a 4-6 and six record. All of those three teams that I named are at least eight win teams. At least. So, let's talk about the fit with Kevin Durant, with these two players, right? We have Kevin Durant, walking 40 bucket, walking 30 ball, can pull from anywhere on the court, handle like a guard, Wingspan of seven feet. You you just can't go wrong. We got James Harden, Mr. Dribble, 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 dribble. Shout out my son Chuck, TNT. But all this dribble, dribble. The man averages thirty points per game, respectfully, and he cannot be guarded. Yes, there were rumblings of him only taking free throws and only wanting to get to the line those past couple years in Houston, but. Yeah, if you can't stop the man, you can't stop the man. You cannot blame him for that. Walking 30 ball. And then there's Kyrie Irving. Uncle Drew. Highlight show waiting to happen. Probably the best handles of all time, but I feel like some other players all time can, you know, argue that. But for the sake of this discussion, one of the best handles of all time. Layup, one of the best finishers under the basket of all time. And then he has the clutch gene. For example, Game 7 2016 Finals. But here's the problem, though. We'll get to 
Kyrie Irving and his playoff performances, but I want to talk about the fit. Kevin Durant is no longer with those those guys in Golden State. Two of the best shooters to ever shoot. Two of the best shooters to ever walk on the planet Earth in Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson. Why do you ask why that's not a fit? Well, because in Golden State, you had two players that were unselfish and took nothing but off-ball screens to get open. These are not on-the-ball players that create for their own shot every single dime down the court. This are These are players who were brought up in the system by Mark Jackson that you are not the focal point. You may be our focal point offensively, but because of your attention that you draw just by running around the court, opens up for other players. These are not those players. And I believe Kevin Durant may, may find himself in a bind. Why? Because this is not Stephen Curry who runs around 13,000 screens and then when he finally gets the ball, he may fake you off a three and then go to the rack. This is not Klay Thompson who also runs around twice as many screens and can pull from anywhere just because his release is that quick. And, and just in case he doesn't pull it off the first one, pump fake, dribble, you're flying past him, pull up, it's good. So I don't see Kevin Durant moving like he would have moved on Golden State where he was the clear-cut best player on this team. Don't get me wrong. On Brooklyn, he is the best player, no hands down, because there must be a pecking order when there's a superstar collection on one team. But let me just give you some numbers. These numbers are from uh, Basketball Reference. And let's just say out of what active players uh, there's only eight active players on the on the list of top 20 all-time in career usage out of the out of the top 20 only eight of those players are still active right so let me give you some numbers here to show you why i think this fit might not be a, a true fit until possibly playoff time so out of this top 20 all-time in career usage, let's go from, yeah, we got first off, the first on the list, well, not first, but first out of this trio is James Harden. He's eighth in all-time in his usage rate with 30.67%, 30.69%, so quoted 30.7%, right? Eighth. Next on that list at 12th is Kevin Durant with 30.16% usage rate. And then... All the way at number 16 is Kyrie Irving with 29.3%. These are all top 20. And they're three of the top 20 players with the highest usage rate of all time in their career is all on the Brooklyn Nets. If you've noticed, let me show you the whole list from 1 to 16. We're going to start at 16 with Kyrie Irving. One is Michael Jordan, two is Russell Westbrook, three is Kobe Bryant, four is Allen Iverson, five is DeMarcus Cousins, six is LeBron James, seven is Dwayne Wade, eighth is James Harden, nine is George Gervin, tenth is Carmelo Anthony. Just bear with me. Eleven is Dominique Wilkins, twelfth is Kevin Durant, thirteenth is Shaq, fourteen is Carl Malone, fifteen is T-Mac, and sixteen is Jesse McGrady. Fifteen is T-Mac, sixteen is Kyrie Irving. If you've been listening, notice Klay Thompson and Stephen Curry are not on that list. From 1 to 16, at least. Well, Kevin Durant is unselfish, so I believe 
the main ball handler, Kevin Durant doesn't need to be the main ball handler. Why? Because he can pull from anywhere. You can plug him into an offense and he will equally fit that offense just because of his high scoring rate. So who will have the ball in their hands? James Harden. I mean, that's how what I would think. He has the higher usage rate with Mike D'Antoni being there and, and Steve Nash is the head coach. So I feel that there's going to be some, of course, history there from James Harden's time in Houston. So I believe in my last video with me and the guys, we said Kyrie Irving should be the flow. And for this to work, he must be the flow and have the offense flow and not just have him dribbling the ball all the time. I think it's better for James Harden to be more of the point guard on this squad because why he he's had he's averaged over eight assists for the last how many years double digit assists lead the league in assists many times in his career in houston so it would make more sense for james harden to be the flow for this to work i mean there's no real there's no real bench on this team they have timothy luau carabo um forgot sorry if i pronounced his name wrong but he's a decent player they have joe harris they have deandre jordan and then after that, I feel like maybe I'm missing someone, but I can't really name anybody else on this on this Brooklyn team. Jeff Green, I'm sorry, Jeff Green. Yes, Jeff Green is a is a good piece, but after him and Landry Shamit, I don't really see a threat offensively or defensively. Sway, you named Jeff Green, Joe Harris, and Luau Carabo Cabarro. Isn't that enough with Landry Shaman? I mean, yes, but we saw on Golden State that when you beat Golden State, you have to beat them how? By outshooting them and making them play iso ball. And of course, making them go deep into their bench. I believe that would be this, almost the same type of uh, the same type of recipe to beat them, the Brooklyn Nets team. But instead of outshooting them, you might have to, you know, be big because they don't have a, besides DeAndre Jordan, they don't have a center. A legitimate center, I should say, since giving up Jared Allen. So I would say you would to beat the Brooklyn Nets team, you would have to be a team that can control the paint and have a real paint threat. And of course, three-point shooting is a part of the NBA game, so you must have capable three-point shooters on your squad. But to beat a team like this, which is so perimeter-oriented, oriented, I say you got to you got to control the paint. So teams like Philly, teams like the Lakers, teams like possibly Milwaukee, uh maybe the Clippers just because they have two-way players that can ball, but um other than those four squads, I don't see much competition. Boston only gives me that competition because of their perimeter defense, but other than that, they don't have a paint presence. So Brooklyn is really looking championship or bust for the next possible three years. But before we go into the rest of the NBA, I have one possible uh, prediction with this team. For those that saw my uh, SRL snippet on Instagram, Sway Hendricks, um, Kyrie Irving could be traded, in my humble opinion. Of course, I have no, I have no uh, insights on this. This is just how I'm thinking, just as, just by seeing how Kyrie is moving on the face of what us regular fans can see. 
there comes a time when players are not worth their talent. Kyrie Irving, since leaving LeBron James in 2017 summer, I believe, after losing the Golden State by five, first first year with Kevin Durant, you 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 see LeBron James and him walking off the court, and LeBron you know says we'll be back, and of course LeBron James was back, but of course Kyrie Irving decided I want to do this by myself, or at least not with you. So since Kyrie left LeBron James, went to Boston, had a nice little 10-15 game run, then he gets injured for the rest of the season, and then yo those young guys become big talents of their own. So then when Kyrie comes back next season, it's kind of a chemistry issue because now they're they're different players than you saw last the season prior. 2018, we didn't see much of Kyrie as well, another injury bug. Not well, injury for most of the season, but chemistry issues was clear and concise all throughout that season. Came come playoff time and they played the Milwaukee Bucks, I believe that was the second round either I believe it was the second round. They lost to Milwaukee in five games, I believe it was. And the last three games that Kyrie Irving had in a Boston uniform, he went 7 for 22, 7 for 22, and then 7 for 21, if I'm not mistaken. It's a make or miss league. And of course, if he made at least half of those buckets in every game, I believe the Celtics go on to the Eastern Conference Champions or the Championship Series. Nonetheless, this is the last time we saw Kyrie Irving in meaningful basketball. Besides that, we saw him hit the shot of shots in Game 7. So when we look at it like that, it's it doesn't... Kyrie Irving is giving off bad vibes, as Brooklyn, as Brooklyn people would say. That's bad vibes. Not showing up to work, not letting your supervisor know, your coach, GM, all that good stuff. Yeah, you're a top-tier talent, so you know some of these things may be tolerable, but at some point, the drama isn't worth the talent. But how bold of, a, of an organization is Brooklyn to say, you know what, Kyrie, we're tired of your, of your BS. You can go. The door is that way. I don't know if Brooklyn is that bold because they've had a culture now of being those hard-nosed teams that play the right way, defend, at least that's what they were before Kyrie got there and Kevin Durant. So what's what's happening now is a change of culture. And I believe Kyrie Irving is on the hot seat. Yes, it has been reported that, you know, he's going to family outings and no one can say you can't go to family because at the end of the day, family is family. But the way you go about it in certain instances, when you're in the limelight, the way you are because you are a top tier talent. Is just a no-go. And if he continues to do this throughout the better part of the season, and especially if he starts missing games like consistently for non-injury and or health protocol reasons, Brooklyn might have to pull that plug. Why? Because now you have James Harden. Like, you have James Harden now. So it shouldn't be a reason. You shouldn't be how I say lackadaisical in making decisions with Kyrie at this point. Yes, it's been reported lately that uh, he will be ready within, a, I think, either the next game or in a week's time because he has he needs to test negative and then test negative again and quarantine and all that good stuff. He was fined 50K, I believe, by the league. So 
Kyrie Irving, I believe, is on the hot seat. And don't be surprised if he gets traded just because of a nuisance he may or may not become. But let's just hope Kyrie is going to be the regular Kyrie that we know and love that happened in Cleveland in the early part of Boston where we saw nothing but buckets and game-changing plays. If that's the case, Brooklyn, you're going to the finals. Like, Brooklyn, you're going to the finals if, if these three gentlemen can at least figure out the real and true pecking order. Because let's get this clear. Kyrie, you left LeBron to be the guy. And now you are in a situation where you are the third fiddle. You are now the Chris Bosh. You are now the Ray Allen. Like, yes, you are a top tier talent, but yes, you are the Clay Thompson. But now you have to, you are no longer averaging 25 points per game. You will have to dumb that down to about 23, 22. Everybody's numbers will dim down. Kevin Durant and James Harden, like, Everybody's going to have to sacrifice, but I believe Kyrie will have to sacrifice even more once again in his career. And I don't know how he'll respond to that. Let's just hope for the sake of Brooklyn that he responds to it well and he already has what he's he's gotten, what he's he's gotten his wish. He's happy because we already know Kyrie's a different cat. He's different from different players in the league. Different players in the league don't just miss games just because they want to miss games, at least on the face of it. Let's move to a possibly LeBron-related subject. Some people might not like this discussion. If you don't, you may skip now. (laughs) Because ever since LeBron James has gotten to the Lakers in the summer of 2018, we've seen a drastic shift. Well, let's not call it drastic. Let's call it a regular shift of superstars. Some superstars have grown in the East. Some superstars have now found themselves in the East. Either once again or for the first time in their careers. Right? So, LeBron signed with the Lakers in 2018. At this point, KD is still on the Warriors. Going for his last year, last run. Try to win three straight. Paul George and Russell Westbrook are still on OKC. Harden and, C- Harden and Chris Paul are... All, are Harden and Chris Paul, fresh off of their seven-game series loss to Golden State in the previous postseason, they end up adding Melo to the squad. Kawhi Leonard goes to the Raptors. Kyrie Irving is on Boston, as I said earlier. So now let's fast forward one year later. Paul George and Kawhi team up to L.A. Clippers. Why? Because the Lakers have completed the trade the blockbuster trade of Anthony Davis. So now there's a two-headed monster in the Lakers, in the Lakers uniform. That shifts the league because now Golden State just came off of a loss. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both signed to Brooklyn. They both signed to Brooklyn. We see this rumble of that in the in the All-Star game, um, in the 2018 All-Star game. So this is not like this was a secret. We knew Kyrie and Kevin Durant were going somewhere, but we never knew where. It ended up being Brooklyn. Harden has been, apparently at this time, CP3 gets traded to to OKC for Russell Westbrook. Westbrook off of the loss and off of the turmoil in um, OKC after Paul George goes to the Clippers, he decides, you know what, I'm out too because 
I can't win here anymore. I've given the city everything I've had. We went from being a big three into being a big one. So he took his talents to try to team up with James Harden. And don't get me wrong, James Harden and Russell Westbrook did look good in the regular season before COVID. But COVID messed up everybody's timelines, and this is probably a result of COVID. But when they went up against the Lakers, they were gone in an easy five. Why? Because they decided to go small ball. And when you go small ball, who is guarding Anthony Davis? No one. So, and then, of course, Kyrie Irving, KD to Brooklyn. Other notable trends after that, after the 2019 season, Jimmy Butler goes from Jimmy Butler goes from Minnesota to Miami. I lied. Philly to Miami. I'm sorry. Russell Westbrook ends up getting traded for John Wall from Houston to to Washington of all places. So now, when you look at it. These teams are now, uh, the West and the East are now surprisingly even. Surprisingly. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Kevin Durant is scared of LeBron James, but it's not like Kevin Durant was strongholded to Brooklyn. He could have stayed in Golden State. Why not? Win some more rings, or at least be the top tier guy to compete for the rings. Your matchups would have been Kawhi Leonard. And LeBron James, at least in the West before you got to the finals. But we've seen certain players. We've seen what LeBron can do to a conference when he has a great team with him, or at least a collection of parts that fit his play style and can get the job done. I don't know if much of you believed, but in 2018, I didn't really think LeBron was going to go to the finals. But I feel like he had to prove that to many people to show them that, okay, my co-star left. I can still get this done. Even with depleted stars, depleted teams, old players, I can get the job done. Why? Because I carry that much weight. Something tells me that Kevin Durant does not want to see LeBron James until it's the last and final series. Because he could have stayed in the West, don't get me wrong, but of course players want new fits and look at this and look at the the field of play. And I believe Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving looked at the field of play and said, you know what? LeBron won't be by himself in L.A. for long. So we got to gear up. But this James Harden move. James Harden only picked teams in the East. His list was Philly, Brooklyn, and somewhere else. Maybe Miami. But they were all where? In the East. These possibly because these are teams that can eat up cap space. But it's not like... It's not like he could have... He could have... He could have went anywhere in the West. At least trade value. I think teams would have, if teams in the West heard James Harden wanted to go to their teams, I think they would have moved heaven and earth to do so. But would have been would it would it have been winning basketball? When you look at the West as currently constructed, I doubt it. The West are in that the West is finally in that phase where also that there's not much left. Is all that's left now in the West are young guys coming up or veterans that. Their teams can't get any better. For example, Portland Trailblazers. I don't think that team can get any better unless a superstar in free agency decides, you know what, I'm going there. Utah, they have a good little piece there, but I feel like they're missing one extra guy. James Harden could have fit nicely there with a big man and a two guard. But 
money situations, I don't think that was ever going to happen. Clippers, you already know it's a no-go. Phoenix, maybe. But who is Phoenix eating that contract? And who are they trading for James Harden? Not Devin Booker, even though you would ideally make that trade. But Devin Booker is their franchise, and they're trying to see what they got with him and DeAndre Ayton. So you don't want to split that up. Memphis has John Morant and company, Buddy Hield and those guys. Golden State has the, the two, the Splash Brothers. And they're not breaking that up with Jamal Green. So ideally, yes, James Harden, if he wanted a trade, would have gone east because there's nothing out west left for him besides competition. So James Harden decided, you know what? I'm going to leave and go to the, to the east. I'm not saying this is solely on LeBron James. That is not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is once LeBron James decided, you know what? I'm going west. You see franchises and players making certain decisions to go out east. Now the east is looked at as a 3-4 team league or conference, I should say. The west, once you go past, once you go past the Clippers, where do you see any championship teams? Or possible championship teams. LA, both LA teams, once you go past those two, what do you see? Because remember, Kawhi Leonard was rumored to go to the Lakers. But of course, that would be too much. Why? That's LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard. That's OD. Rightfully so, he decided to team up with Paul George and go to the Clippers, make his own two-team squad. At that point in 2019... The NBA looked somewhat balanced. Why? Because we knew Kevin Durant and Kyrie were going to come. We knew the rise of Boston Celtics. We knew Giannis was possibly one piece away or a jump shot away from contending. So, and we knew Philly was Philly. They just had to get their chemistry and act together. And then when you look on the West side, it would have been James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and then the rising of the young guys in the West. The West would have still been a top tier Conference, but now I look at it now. You can say, one can say, the top heavy teams in the West rival the teams in the the top heavy teams in the West, as in the LA Lakers and LA Clippers, are the only contending championship squads. Just two to three years ago, we looked at the East and said, "There's LeBron James and the Cavaliers, and then there's the three teams that are battling to battle LeBron James and the Cavaliers." Before, we looked in the West and was like, okay, Golden State is Golden State. When Kawhi was there in San Antonio, possibly, but we didn't look at him as championship. I'm going a little bit one year earlier. That's 2017. Then we had, we had, uh, we have Denver, who is aspiring championship aspirations, but as of right now, they're not doing good. But you see the track that I'm getting on. LeBron is not the sole reason, but once he put his domino in one spot, the rest fell. Because the league, I believe players understand, yes, LeBron James has a 4-6 and six record in the NBA Finals. But at the end of the day, he is getting to the NBA Finals when LeBron James has a collection of parts that can get the job done. 11 straight Finals before the one year in LA that he didn't do it. I'm sorry, 10. So how do you, I don't really see the 
I've seen it on NBA Twitter. I don't see the I don't understand the backlash of it. Of saying that LeBron James created the super team because he did. He did. Inadvertently, advertently, it doesn't matter. His talent warrants a team made of elite superstars to beat him. Let's look at the teams that have beaten LeBron James. Besides the Dallas Mavericks, who I already have a notion that Dirk is the superstar, Jason Kidd was an all-star caliber player. You had Tyson Chandler, who's a future DPOY. And then you have a collection of role players that are not past their prime. They're still capable of filling their role. So besides the Dallas Mavericks, everybody that has that LeBron James has faced in the finals was a... My fault. Let's add the Miami Heat to that. But besides those two teams, everybody else is... What we what some of us would call a quote unquote super team. San Antonio Spurs had a big three: Parker, Ginobili, Duncan. When Kawhi emerged, let's call it a big four for the last time that they played. Right? We have we have the Golden State Warriors. Right? Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Jamal Green. The first time you might have you might not have called Jamal Green a superstar, but the next year, 73 and 9, you understand why people called him a superstar. Then when you get KD, you have the big four. But of course, they focus on the three main scoring options. So Steph, KD, Clay. So let's not get it twisted. Why did Kevin Durant go to Golden State back in those times? Of course, people may say he knew Steph. Steph and them were close. So, you know, it was it was just a comfortability thing. I'm trying to win my first ring and let's go get to the place where it's possibly the easiest. I wouldn't say he would took the easy route, but damn it, you took the easy route. Could have went to Boston and all those other stuff, but I'm trying not I'm, I'm trying not to get off track here. LeBron James is the reason why Brooklyn now has a super team, a legitimate super team. The only worries I have about Brooklyn is can they get it done defensively? At least top 11 in the league because if I'm correct, my five, my facts are correct. The last twenty champions have played some type of defense: top ten, top eleven, top twelve. One of those numbers, at least. So, don't hate, don't hate the game, don't hate the player, just hate the game. Because now the, the the NBA is a is a is a league of superstar empowerment, player empowerment. The players are now getting somewhat what they want because. The tickets are paid. Why? To see the superstars. The games are watched. Why? To see the superstars. So NBA has a lot going on right now. A lot going on. Brooklyn just put themselves on the NBA map. Brooklyn was already an epicenter for culture and sports and everything. New York, of course. But now Brooklyn is on the map culturally and sports-wide. This is something Brooklyn fans really didn't see coming. And I just hope you guys can rejoice. I can't possibly rejoice because I'm a LeBron fan and a Brooklyn born and raised. So you see my uh, conundrum here. (laughs) But in the long haul, Brooklyn, you got something here. You got a certified shooter. 
and let's hope this shooter can coexist with your two other stars. Let's switch topics. Um, COVID. If you've been listening for the past past videos um, and podcasts, COVID has taken over the NFL in terms of players missing games due to um, positive tests and all that other stuff. Just recently in the wild card weekend, the Browns, who upset the Steelers, were definitely hindered. Why? Because they didn't have their head coach. First-year head coach can't can't coach his first playoff game because of COVID. So I need you to understand, COVID got the NFL just because they were already going to different cities and and flying different places and all that. So you would you expected COVID cases also because there's 53 man rosters, so it's a, a lot more cases to look at and a lot more people to that that you can't um, monitor or say, okay, you can't go this way, you can't go that way, you can't be doing this at night, whatever, whatever. But COVID in the NBA is kind of different. Or maybe just a little bit different. Why? Because the NBA came from a bubble scenario where they had no COVID cases once players entered the bubble. But I never assumed that the NBA would follow up on that and and provide another bubble because at the end of the day, these are human beings who have the freedom to do whatever they want off the court. So when you look at when you look at these things and look at the the egos that you have in suit in NBA players. There will be some COVID cases that we are seeing now. Games are being postponed left and right. At least two games a night are being postponed because of health and safety protocols. That's what they, that's what they are calling it now. Health and safety protocols. The NBA are being more strict with it because now they're seeing more cases. Just the other day, Seth Curry tested positive for a COVID case for, for his COVID um test. And he was sitting on the bench at halftime. He found out he had a positive test at halftime and he wasn't playing anymore or at least wasn't going on you know he was no longer on the bench he was he was sent home things like that are are why i believe the nba administered this more strict health and safety protocol you know just to you know monitor the numbers gauge the numbers keep them below average because don't get us wrong don't get me wrong the nba did a fantastic job with the bubble fantastic when you have no covid cases over a stretch of a couple months for playoff play, that's great in terms of the health and safety part of it. But now in terms of the freedom part of it, you can't just tell guys, all right, after practice, go home. Don't touch nothing. Don't go nowhere. Don't talk to nobody. You can't eat out. Can't go to dinner with nobody. Um, people that come into your hotel room on away games or people that you see must be, uh, of course, you know, negative and they must also have been quarantined or stuff like that. You can't control that. So... In my NFL COVID video, I stated that if I'm not surprised that there will be a time where we see a big matchup in the playoffs and somehow, some way, somebody important gets COVID and have to miss the game because health and safety reasons. I see that happening in the NBA throughout this season, at least until All-Star break, because there's going to be a lot of games being postponed and then the NBA has to find certain days or off days where they would have to possibly um, put those games in. And then that would mean more back-to-back games. And you already know, some players already don't want to play back-to-backs because they just came from a bubble. So the teams like the Clippers or teams like the Lakers or teams like Miami, you know, certain teams that went that made deep playoff runs 
are going to make these another deep playoff run this season. But those things are going to be after back to backs. Like imagine, I believe most of these postponements will happen in the later part of the year after All-Star break where there are more games or at least less games, you know, just to round out the season. I believe there's going to be more games put into that more back to backs. We're going to see we're going to see some very strange season because of COVID. And just like we saw last season, I believe this thing will last another another full sports calendar year where they have to monitor this thing very, very closely. But, um, ah, man, some people will not like this at all. And it's okay. But you must expect cases. You must expect players to catch it because, or at least with this whole contact tracing thing, at least be in contact with somebody that was possibly in contact with somebody that had COVID or they themselves have it but aren't showing symptoms. You have to understand, you are now putting players into their everyday lives. Their everyday lives might be different from a year ago, but these are the cards we are dealt. So now we must deal with them. <clears throat> COVID, I hopefully hopefully it doesn't um take over the NBA too much. Because it's looking like at least every day we're at least getting one postponement. And ever since that Seth Curry game, shout out um um my friend Samuel on the Fast Break Layup podcast. He noted this out as well. Since that Seth Curry game, you've at least seen two games canceled at least due to health and safety protocols. Because at the end of the day, you can't keep up with everybody. What they do when they leave the court is just that simple. And now they're flying to different cities. You're no longer doing a bubble situation. You must expect this. You must. Now, last on Sorry Important Live, let's talk some football. But let's go down the list and tell you guys where I was wrong and where I was right. So I had the Bills winning, beating the Colts. I thought it would be a double-digit game, but they were able to squeak out with the victory 27-24. to 24. Phillip Rivers, for some reason, just can't find any playoff victories. It's been I, I can't I can't remember the last time play um, Philip Rivers won a playoff game. He's been very close to these games, but of course in the AFC when he played Tom Brady and the likes of Peyton Manning and other teams when Philip Rivers was in his prime, I believe he only had one victory. I believe that was against Peyton when he still had Ladanian Tomlinson. If I'm correct, and just by hearing Ladanian Tomlinson, you can tell how early that was. I believe that was like oh six. Um, but congrats to the Bills, Bills Mafia. First time in, what, 20 years? I think 95 or 98 since you got a playoff W. But congrats. And you won a division since 1995. Sorry. First playoff win since 1995. Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs looking like the pairing that should have been here for a couple of years. Uh, just to just to give you a nice stat on that on Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen connection. This year, Stefan Diggs. He has the most games with six plus receptions with 16 games, all 16 games he played. He has six plus receptions. The last person to do that was in 2011, Wes Welker. With also 16 games, if you remember 2011 with Wes Welker, uh, him and Tom Brady looked like they can. They were always on the same page, slot receiver. But now Stefan Diggs is not just a slot receiver. He plays outside, inside, everywhere. You can put him anywhere on the field, man to man. He can get the job done. We had Rams Seahawks. Rams beat the Seahawks 30 to 20. 
um this was kind of a shocker for me because at least halfway through the season i had russell wilson as my mvp candidate but ever since that halfway through the season he's thrown nothing but interceptions and possibly doing too much why because he has just about one receiver or one go-to receiver in dk metcalf and dk metcalf is a baby in his league in a grown man's body and a lack of a running game going against 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 that um rams defense that was i feel that was a tough task he could have beaten that because they did make a close game late but shout out to jalen ramsey ramsey this season played uh dk metcalf about twice yeah the same division so they played him twice and i believe dk has less than five catches maybe even six but to show you the job that Jalen Ramsey is going, according to Pro Football Focus, Jalen Ramsey has not allowed over 50 receiving yards in a game since week one. I'll repeat that again. Jalen Ramsey has not allowed over 50 receiving yards when covering players in a game since week one. DK, we know DK Metcalf as a big play receiver. He can turn a 10-yard catch into a 40-yard play. He can turn, he can jump balls for him, seem effortless, but possibly against one of the better, better cornerbacks in the league and physical, such as Jalen Ramsey, he could not get the better of him. So shout out the Rams. They took away the Seahawks only and legitimate threat, and they won the game. I was wrong about the Seahawks, but that was where I was wrong. Next game, we have Buccaneers against the Washington football team. I thought Tom Brady would smoke them. But give Washington credit. They made this a game. The quarterback by the name of Taylor Haneke, 26 for 44, 306 yards. He threw a touchdown, but also threw a pick. Defense kind of did their job, but they still let them let Tampa Bay score 31 points. You're not really going to stop Tom Brady too much. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He will find your flaws equally. And then the game that I definitely like to see, one of the two games that I like to see that weekend, Ravens versus Titans. I predicted Ravens would get the revenge, and they did. Lamar Jackson showing the Titans that what happened last year was not a fluke, but more so I wasn't prepared. And Ravens came into this game with extra motivation. I believe earlier in the year, the Titans played the Ravens, and um, after the after the celeb- after the win. The Titans danced on the uh, Ravens logo, thought it was disrespectful, and they returned the favor. Amari Jackson, 17 for 24, throws 179, throws 479 yards. Sally throws a pick, no touchdowns, but he does have a rushing touchdown. He had 16 rushes, 136, one tub. At the end of the day, you have to stop Lamar Jackson from running the ball and make him a thrower, but in this game, he seemed to find a, a close balance. With that, and came out with a W. Another game, Bears-Saints. I was right about this game. Saints won uh, pretty much easily. They only had to score 21 points, beat the Bears 21-9. I don't really have much to say about that game. Why? Because the Bears are the Bears. It's funny how I say that before I go into the next game, but the Bears are the Bears. Good defense. Mr. Jabisky has not proven anything to me offensively as a quarterback. And Nick Foles being in a backup role you're not going to keep winning in a backup role because he did it in philly one time 
You can't do it. I don't think you can do that multiple times in your career. And then Browns versus Steelers. Folks, I called the upset. Sadly, I don't have the proof on my podcast to show you, but I did call it. I called the Browns beating the Steelers by about 10 points. They won by 11. I need you to understand the reason why the Steelers won this game. I, this is a bold take. And possibly it's a bold take. Well, it's possibly not a bold take, but it's, it's a take that may go overlooked because of how Ben Roethlisberger played in this game. But I have never, I was never a true believer of the Steelers, even when they went 11-0 or 10-0, whatever the record was. Because since then, they lost like four of their last five. Or five of their last six after this playoff loss. They lost the game 48-37. And it was a 28-0 game after the first quarter. Yes, the Steelers made a little comeback when the Browns took the pedal off the gas. But even when that time came, Browns still were able to score and put them away. Baker Baker Mayfield has looked like the accurate QB that we all known him to be or knew him to be when he was in Oklahoma. Played with a chip on his shoulder. And he had a very big chip on his shoulder that game because he no longer has his, his head coach that he went through the hole with this season. And, and of course, no Odell. I believe the no Odell part is why Baker is playing better than he was. Because now you don't have a superstar who's ball dominant or the ball. I'm saying ball dominant as if it's basketball, but he, he's not. Odell is a receiver who commands the football. Why? Because he's that talented. He can really turn a 10-yard slant route into a touchdown. We've seen it. We've seen it too many times. But I believe the need for Odell to get the football is what hindered Baker somewhat. Don't get me wrong, they could have they could have worked through these chemistry issues and seen different plays and realized, all right, Odell, yes, you are the top tier talent that you are, but there are other mouths to feed on this team. When this team came together, we looked at them as Super Bowl contenders. Why? Because we had two running backs in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb who can receive and run from the backfield. And then you have Jarvis Landry and Odell and a couple other receiving tight ends that can poss- that can put the work in with an accurate quarterback as in, Odell, as in Baker. We knew Baker as an accurate quarterback. We now are seeing that accuracy on display. And the Steelers were not ready for it. You know, Corvette, Corvette, Juju Smith-Schuster didn't look like or didn't live up to the hype that he believed he can live up to. Once once Antonio Brown left that squad, all attention is now on Juju Smith-Schuster. And I don't think he was properly ready for that this season. Even though his team did have a great record coming out. I didn't see this. I didn't see the hunger. I didn't. He overlooked them by saying the Browns is the Browns. And you heard Baker Mayfield running off the field after the W. The Browns is the Browns. Well, these are no longer the same Browns you've been playing, Juju. This is a team that is hungry for some type of playoff. Some type of playoff. Um victory first playoff win since 94 only 16 seasons and all that different head coaches different quarterbacks different personnel has gone and come through cleveland and now they just beat you 
One, because you overlooked them, and two, because they're probably at least more talented than you. Ben Roethlisberger, at the end of the day, has an issue with taking care of the football. And then spotting them seven points on the first step of the game did not help you. But Browns win in beautiful fashion. So let's get to the games that start this today. Today is Saturday, January 16th. And we have a couple games, two out of four games for football. LA Rams versus the Green Bay Packers. And that bad man. Aaron Rodgers. Honestly, Aaron Rodgers might just pick them apart. But it's a battle between a great quarterback, a great receiver, and a decent running game against an all-pro defensive line led by Aaron Donald and an all-pro cornerback in Jalen Ramsey. I'm interested in the matchup of Devontae Adams and Jalen Ramsey because Jalen Ramsey is not the type to run from those type of matchups. You saw what he did to DK Metcalf. We thought we would he, he would have had a spectacular game, but you saw what he did. DK only had like two catches, three catches. One big catch, of course. But that's that's what I'm looking to see. This is a number one scoring offense in Green Bay versus the number one scoring defense in LA. So this is gonna be a big game. This might be Nick and Tuck, but it might I don't believe in Jared Goff. For, for the Los Angeles Rams. I do not believe in this man. I'm so sorry. I just can't. He hasn't shown me he can consistently get the job done in playoff time. Since he went to that um since he went to that uh, Super Bowl and played that 10 to 3 game against against Tom Brady. He has not shown me consistent play. He throws interception after interception. One game he might have three interceptions, the next game he might have four tubs. So because of that lack of inconsistency, and I know that Aaron Rodgers, via play calling or on-the-fly play calling, will get the job done no matter what unless you beat him yourself, i.e. Aaron Donald, i.e. Jalen Ramsey. They will be the ones to dictate how this game will go. The Rams running game looked good against the Seahawks, but will they be able to put up numbers scoring-wise? If the defense, if the Los Angeles Rams defense can't get the job done. Those are the questions I have. But I have Green Bay winning this game by 10 points. Let's call it 31-21. Green Bay. Next game on the list for Saturday is Baltimore Ravens versus the Buffalo Bills. This is going to be a very interesting game. Why? Because both. Let's, let, me, let me give you an interesting stat. You look at Josh Allen, you believe he's a he's grown into his own as in probably one of the elite quarterbacks of this league. Some may not want to say it, but what Buffalo has done this season cannot go overlooked. They are 13 and 3, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, Tom Brady left the AFC East, but they are 13 and 3. And one neat little stat, quarterback rushing yards Rushing yard leaders since 2018. Lamar Jackson has accumulated over 3,000 yards rushing. Guess who's right below him? Josh Allen with 1,700 yards. So Josh Allen is not just the prototypical quarterback that stands in the pocket. He does a little bit of both. And because I see him doing a little bit of both in this game, can Lamar Jackson throw the ball? 
That will that would really that's gonna be the tiller his tape for the whole career. Can he throw the ball and win his team some games? I this game is kind of a toss up for me because I really I slept on Buffalo and seeing what Stephon Diggs has done to this team in the passing game. Ah man, I don't wanna I don't wanna pick against Lamar Jackson, but I might just have to. This game is a toss-up for me. Uh, whoever wins will win by a field goal. And I have... Mm, 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 mm. I got Baltimore getting the job done, winning by three points. Lamar Jackson coming off of his first playoff win is going to want to show everybody that he can go deep into the playoffs. And I believe he's gunning for... Uh, Patty Mahomes, if Patrick Mahomes can get the job done, which leads me to my next game, Browns versus Kansas City Chiefs. This game, I wouldn't say it's a toss-up, but after what Cleveland just did, I believe Kansas City is now looking at them as a legitimate playoff team. And defensively, they can get to the quarterback. Cleveland can get to the quarterback with Miles Garrett in the different schemes that they have. Um, but I don't believe in these corners. In, in Cleveland. I don't know how they will fear against Tyreek Hill. I don't know how they will play against Sammy Watkins. I don't know how they'll play against Travis Kelsey. Edwards Hilaire out the backfield. Kansas City has weapons upon weapons upon weapons. And sometimes when you have all of these weapons, you might play down to your competition. That is the only thing I fear with um in this Cleveland and Kansas City game. If Kansas City goes into this game looking or playing like how Pittsburgh played last week. But because of that game, I'll be, I believe they'll look at them very, very, very seriously and make sure they get the job done. Kansas City wins by 10. Is this a high-scoring game? Possibly. I got it 33-23. And then the game that I kind of want to see the most, that headlines... And rounds out our uh, divisional round weekend in NFL. Buccaneers versus Saints. Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. The old guys. The old guys playing catch once again. Slinging the football up and down the field. Both teams have similar records. Coming out of the same division. Buccaneers 11-5. Saints 12-4. I believe this is a Saints home game. Yes, because they did win a division. Um... New Orleans has won five straight games versus Tampa Bay. We're only going to focus focus on those last two because Tom Brady has only been there for two of them. And honestly, this game is another toss-up for me. Why? Because Drew Brees looks like he's on the decline. But like my man's Mike would say, if this is Drew Brees' decline, he is still a lot better than a lot of quarterbacks in this league. Due to injury and all of that, the decline has been heightened. You know, those ribs ain't no joke to be played with as a quarterback. Took him out for about four or five games, if I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken. And Tom Brady has had chemistry issues with this team, but it looks like they are uh, fixed. New Orleans defense is top tier, down to the linemen, down to the cornerbacks. Let me show you what these cornerbacks have, uh, specifically Marshawn Lattimore. Against Mike Evans, wide receiver for Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season. 65% of Mike Evans' routes have been covered by Marshawn Lattimore. 
four targets, zero catches. Once again, four targets, zero catches for Mike Evans. I'm not saying Mike, Mike Evans is getting locked up, but it's a combination of both. Tom Brady is not only looking for Mike Evans, even though he wants to look for Mike Evans, he is either not open or before he gets open, someone else is already open. For example, Rob Gronkowski, Godwin. Those two wideouts may be the uh, center, the focal point of that team. And then there's the underlying fact that Tom Brady has Antonio Brown still in his back pocket. I have not seen him look like the regular Antonio Brown we've known over the years. But of course, when you have so many weapons on so many teams, on this team, that says a Rob Gronkowski and the two wideouts, it's kind of hard to fit in Antonio Brown and say, okay, you are the number one guy. He would, his number one, him being the number one guy would have to come from him um, outplaying those other receivers. And I feel like possibly he's not trying to step on anybody's toes because at the end of the day, he is here by the grace of Tom Brady. And Marshawn Lattimore can't cover everybody. You're going to have to put a linebacker on Gronkowski, even though you must treat him like a receiver. There's just too many weapons. And Drew Brees... Drew Brees' weapons, there's Michael Thomas, and then there's the very old tight end, I forgot his name, and then you have Alvin Kamara. Michael Thomas has been kind of an afterthought this year. I wouldn't say afterthought, but more so of a, he's been quiet. Why? He's missed some games due to personal things, and he's been either double or triple covered for all of his time this season. And because of that and other receivers possibly not showing up for the New Orleans Saints may be their downfall. But the running game for New Orleans will be the reason they win this game if they decide to win this game. But I just can't bet against Tom Brady. I thought he was done winning championships. He very well still may be done, but he's going to make a deep playoff run. And I have him beating the Saints, sadly, possibly setting Drew Brees into retirement. I have them winning by by five. 28-23. Um, Gronkowski will have the running touchdown if you want to get into specifics and betting and all of that. It's going to come down to the last drive. Tom Brady once again brings them down the field, as he's done in many, many, many playoff times. And... Beat Drew Brees in his own division, in his in his house. Break the winning streak because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like I said at the top of it, have lost the last two games with Tom Brady against these Saints. So, just in case you've been lost in all the photo, I got Packers winning, Ravens winning, Chiefs winning, and the Buccaneers winning. All on wild card, all on division weekend. So that means the Packers, <laughs> we would have a possible matchup of, according to my picks, we would have a matchup of that bad man Aaron Rodgers versus that old man and Tom Brady. And then a matchup of Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Hopefully I'm right on the Sway Radio. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll get to more as more NBA news unfolds and as these uh, NBA games go on, not NBA games, NFL games go on. 
Hope you liked this episode this evening. Another episode of Sway Radio. Thanks for listening. And we're out of here. <laughs>